Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers distilled a new nation and brought forth bourbon, the water of life. So grab a glass and join Paul, AJ, and JC on another episode of Bourbon with Friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an ep- another episode of Bourbon with Friends. I can't speak tonight. It's fine. It's uh, It's been a wild week in, in America, so, you know, botching one word can be okay, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, we have Head Distiller uh, from Cedar Ridge uh, Distilling, uh, Murphy Quint with us, and we're going to talk some Iowa bourbon tonight. Uh, so Murphy, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate uh, your time, and I'm glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, same here. So um, I can honestly say I have not had Iowa bourbon before, um, and which is fine. Yeah, um, you probably either. hear a lot, hear that a lot from people that are in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> I had never had uh, Maryland whiskey before, and we had it. So you know, but I mean, they're in the heart of corn country. So I yeah, mean, if you're going to get something made from corn, why not Iowa? <laughs> it's in your backyard, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, we we'll get into that a little bit, I'm sure, but that that has a lot to do with why we're even doing what we're doing. Is just you know, Iowa's the corn state, and we're making that whiskey out of corn, being bourbon. So is 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 your backyard a cornfield, or like the distillery just wrapped around a <laughs> cornfield? How does that work? Um, yeah, I mean, so actually, actually, both just um, my backyard. It's it's not technically a cornfield in my backyard, but the house behind me has a cornfield in their backyard. So, there you go. Um, that, that, that'll count. <laughs> Um, yeah, out, out at the distillery, um, we do have a cornfield that surrounds our property. So, I mean, yeah, being in Iowa, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the layout here, but um, there are cornfields everywhere. I mean, I, I, I kind of live in the city, and there's a cornfield, uh, like a baseball throw away from me. So that's, that's funny. That's just how it goes here, and that's, uh, that's our way of life, that's for sure. So, so I guess that this is just going to be it's a good intro just to ask, like, a question. So from – from the sourcing, like we're just going to go into that because we're talking about corn. Might as well just not talk about it later. Might as well talk about it now. Uh, so like the sourcing for your corn, do you guys do that yourselves? Do you have like farms that you, you do that from? Um, kind of tell us about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, we get all of our corn from the small town of Winthrop, Iowa. And that's where my family actually has farmland out there. So uh, my grandpa Melvin's been a lifelong farmer. Uh, both my parents grew up on farms in Winthrop, Iowa. Uh, so that's why we, we get our corn from there because that's where our family farm is. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we figured being in Iowa, um, making bourbon, it, it'd be kind of a slap in the face to Iowa and Iowans if we're not using Iowa corn right. in that process. So um, we definitely um, we do source our own corn from the state of Iowa, from Winthrop, Iowa, and uh, we wouldn't have any, any other way for this product. No, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's it's always interesting to see where people start sourcing their their products from to start making it. So, you guys are uh, started in two thousand five. Is that right? Um, yeah. So we started out in two thousand five. Um, so you know, backing up a second, we're Cedar Ridge Winery and Distillery. Um, yeah. on a national scale, we're known as Cedar Ridge Distillery. Um, but more locally, uh, people know us as Cedar Ridge Winery and Distillery, or sometimes even Cedar Ridge Winery, because when we started out back in 2005, we were absolutely more of a winery than okay. a distillery. Um, we, uh, and by we, I, I mainly mean my parents who started the company, uh, Jeff and Lori, their vision and their business plan was to be an Iowa winery. And while there were plenty of Iowa wineries already when, when they were writing the business plan, so their strategy was to differentiate their winery by also having a still, right? Cool. You know, people come out to our winery, but the, the hook, the line, the thinker will be that we also produce some brandy, 
some rum, some vodka on the side, stuff like that. And it's just right. something that'll, that'll keep people on their toes and be interesting. Um, well, obviously, you know, as things went along, things progressed, um, we built quite a, a good whiskey brand for ourselves. And now, you know, we're a, a distillery that um, sells to 30 plus states. Um, you know, we're in six or seven different countries. And our wine is more offered in, in just like two or three counties in the state of Iowa. So okay. uh, we really flip-flopped that business model. But yes, we opened up in 2005 as Cedar Ridge Winery and Distillery. So when, when was the first year you put some, uh, some good juice out there? Um, well, so, I mean, r right away, we um, started barreling, actually, actually rum was the first thing that we ever barreled was uh, dark rum. And, you know, we, like, like many distillers or distilleries, and um, especially back in 2005, six and seven, when this, this craft spirits boom was really just beginning or even right. really before it was beginning, um, we, we didn't have much focus at all. And that, that's very common for a new distillery. Um, or at least back then it was to kind of pop up and just produce a little bit of everything, put some stuff in barrels and, um, and just see, throw, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks basically. And um, I'd say, I mean, around, uh, it wasn't even until around 2010, 11, when we really started to get serious about specifically whiskey, um, okay. you know, and still today we, we produce a little bit of everything and I'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, but yeah, we, I'd say probably around 2010 is when we seriously started to uh, make a run at whiskey. So, so what we're try about to try right now, which is the the bourbon that you guys made, this is the old batch that you have, and you have a new one that you just kind of released, right? Um, yeah, that that's correct. So, um, that is our Cedar Ridge Iowa bourbon whiskey. Um, however, it's as you mentioned, it's a bit of an older version of it. Um, we recently just gave it kind of a facelift. Um, we're we're a growing company. Um, our our brand has evolved. And um, because of that, we figured that it was time to change the packaging and make it look a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, I guess, uh, pronounced and a little bit more established right. than in the past. You can see um, the bottle that you have in front of you that it's, it's a little bit more craft style with the handwritten numbers and all right. that. Um, some very cool elements to it. But uh, we wanted to uh, kind of change that look uh, to kind of impact how consumers perceive us. But anyway, sure. that is an older version. Um, our newer Iowa bourbon. It is a little bit higher proof than that. Our old version was 80, 80 proof. And um, obviously that's something that the market has very much trended away from, uh, which I'm, I'm a big advocate of personally. And so we were able to get this one up to 86 proof in our new release with uh, some different color schemes and stuff. And uh, we also have some, some higher proof stuff that we offer at the distillery. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So, so we had talked a little bit about this before we started the recording it, it just, so we're in Kentucky and it's just kind of not hit us yet. Um, so for those of you that are listening and, and are probably around the Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, Ohio, I think you guys are in all those States, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, you you probably are going to, you have two to look for. Yeah. You have two to look for. Uh, <laughs> and you can do yeah. a side by side comparison. So the thing that, that we, it, this is good. Like it's not, right. like, you know, and I think one of the things that we've really talked about, and notice is that people think it's all, it's only Kentucky bourbon is the only stuff that's good. Yeah. And we're finding, you know, Texas is good and yeah. Maryland yeah. is good. And now Iowa is good. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Kentucky definitely got its pigeonholed, you know, as obviously the bourbon state, but I mean, people need to branch out more and I'm more of a high proof drinker and for this an 80 proof, for an 80 proof, this is, is good. it's definitely worth a try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely something to put in the mix. Yeah. And, I'd be yeah, interested. Yeah. I'd be interested if you want to send a sample of like cast strength 
want to do that, he, I would definitely he be asks game about that for everybody. Like, well, no, yeah. no, no, and I, I honestly, um, I will make sure that we we get you a sample of cast strength uh, because I, I do personally feel that our whiskey is a very good high proof whiskey. Um, and that's something I'm not alone on. Um, you know, I, uh, a big influencer in, in our industry is Fred Minnick. A lot of people know Fred Minnick. He's been out yeah. to our distillery several times and he, he's been advocating as hard as anyone for us to, uh, go heads down and focus on being right. cast strength because, um, so, you know, kind of getting into it a little bit, um, we shoot to produce a very approachable, um, and, and easy sipping whiskey. That's what we're going for. Something that's not overly bold or aggressive. Not that there's anything wrong with that type of whiskey. We're just going for the more approachable and inviting side of it. And uh, so the characteristics that our whiskey has, uh, you know, being on that slightly softer side, when you jack up the proof to closer to say 115 or cask, whatever, um, it's still not overly aggressive. And it's obviously going to be a lot, lot bolder and more pronounced. Right. Um, it's going to have better mouthfeel, et cetera. So um, I will send you a sample of that. And I, I personally feel that, that our 115 proof is, is quite a bit better than, than our 80 This is a anything. nice, well-rounded, it's got a mellow, well-rounded yeah. finish on it. It's got a lot. I get a lot of vanilla up front. I get a little oak. This, um, this is something like hot weather I wouldn't mind drinking. Like, it's very smooth, easy drinking. Like, some stuff, like, I like barrel proof, but some of that stuff you cannot drink if it's too hot outside. <laughs> what, what char is the barrel? Um, absolutely. So, uh, char number three. We get all of our barrels from independent stave company, um, all full-size 53-gallon. Um, and then char number three. I've, I've been debating experiment a little bit with, with some different chars. Um, you know, every now we'll, we'll get a few truckloads a year of barrels and every now and then I, I get, uh, I, I tend to want to order just a few char number fours. And then they've got uh, a new one. I can't remember what it's called. It's uh, kind of like a waffle concept where, uh, the, the stage, the, 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 the grooves. Yeah, in yeah, it. yeah. I can't recall yeah. what it's called off the top of my head, but um, I've been wanting to experiment with those a little bit too, just to see uh, what kind of impact it has on our final product. But yep, char number three for now. Have okay. you all have you all done any work on like trying to do any finished bourbon since you are a winery and you would have you know some of those? Yeah, man. Around? Um, that, that's uh, that's like our specialty. I mean, that more so on the other product, the quintessential single malt. We'll get into that a little bit, but sticking with bourbon, um, we we have done some fun stuff. Yeah, um, for instance, our bourbon in export casks is uh it's my jam it's, it's one of the best things that we produce in my opinion um we go a little bit higher proof on that i think we've got it at 94 um and we have a huge advantage on that front because because we're winery distillery combination we get wet barrels to utilize at our disposal um you know a lot of a lot of distilleries that aren't also a winery they'll source barrels from across the country by the time it gets to them they're a little bit dried out and that's not by any means a bad thing it's just different Right. And, um, yeah. We are able to use these wet barrels. We can empty them in the morning and refill them with whiskey later in the day. So a lot so more that, flavors coming out of that barrel. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's going to be a bit more pronounced. Um, you will, you'll definitely uh, feel the impact of what that barrel used to hold prior to the, to the bourbon. So our forecast bourbon's awesome. Um, we've even done some uh, bourbon finished in X, X apple brandy casks, which is phenomenal. I'm surprised there's not more of that out there right now. Um, so yeah, we, we like to experiment with stuff like that. Uh, you know, we, we tend to lose focus like most distillers do, and we tend to want to, exper want to experiment from time to time. No, that's – that's yeah. creativity is, is, the, is the best thing because that's what you – what you got to do now. Yeah, and, and, yeah I mean – You got to break out. You got to – you have so many flavors. There's so many stuff. You got to set yourself up and be yep. different. 
That's the only way. So, so are you selling that stuff outside of the distillery or is that kind of where I'm, just around where you're at? Yeah, like like the cast finished stuff, um, it is available, um, obviously, uh, mainly in the state of Iowa. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you a little sense of scale. Um, I mean, we are mainly focused on Iowa. Um, you know, our specialty stuff like finished and port casks and, and, and higher proof stuff that's almost exclusively in the state of Iowa, maybe a little bit of Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, but we're, so while we do have kind of a tight distribution circle there, um, we're not by any means small. Um, we're, at, we're actually a fairly sizable distillery. Um, and uh, by the end of the year, uh, we actually believe that we'll be the number one selling bourbon in the state of Iowa. So um, oh, wow. we, yeah, we have been behind uh, Jim Beam and Maker's Mark for the last three years, just kind of nipping at their heels. And oh, wow. uh, the state, we're a controlled state, so all that data is uh, public information. Right. And they haven't released the report yet, but we believe um, sometime actually this month, we should find out that we're the number one selling bourbon in the oh, state of nice. Iowa. So, yeah, yeah, yeah wow. you. that, that's a big yeah. accomplishment. And you're, um, you're yeah, all it the, is. It, go ahead. I say you're all the first distiller of bourbon or any whiskey out there for a while, right? Since Prohibition, is that, did I hear that right? Read that right? Yeah, in the state of Iowa, we're, we're the first distillery since Prohibition. Um, a few of a few really good ones have actually opened up since. Um, obviously, you know, one that people know is Templeton Ride. They opened up just a couple months after right, we did. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were the first. And I, I don't know if there's really any, you know, anything good or bad about that. I mean, being, being first is being first. Um, it, it doesn't really change the product. But, uh, yeah, we, we've been around since 2005. And for uh, the craft distilling game, that's actually quite a long time. I mean, there's over, over 4,000 distilleries in the United States now. And most of those have just opened up in the last five years. So yeah. this boom is still really happening. And it's still, um, you, you know, being around since 2005 is actually quite a while in this game. No, it's a good thing you have nerds like us who like to talk about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. It's been great uh, with podcasts and um, Instagram, stuff like that. I mean, you can really, really um, explore and, and, and find these new brands that are popping up every day. It's awesome. Um, absolutely. I, I really like it. Well, let's talk about some of your your uh, exploitation here in uh, the whiskey game. So this is your uh, quintessential signature blend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Um, yeah, so um, this one is kind of my baby. And obviously, um, the name, the quintessential, is a, a play on my last name. Uh, I my do like that. My family's last name, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, full disclosure on that. At, at first, um, we were not sure how we felt about that. Um, my dad and I, uh, you know, ha having a product uh, – has our last name in it it can either be perceived as a bit corny or maybe even cocky or it can be really cool and it, it's a very fine line there and um, we weren't we weren't sure but uh we got a pretty good response to it um, from the market so far and so uh, we feel a little bit better now so what this is is it's an american single malt whiskey and i don't know how familiar you guys are with american single malt um, but we are absolutely at the forefront of a boom um, on american single malt whiskey there's a few things contributing to that one, I just mentioned there's there's over four thousand distilleries in the United States oh, now, and a lot of these uh, a lot of these distilleries are specializing in single malt um, because obviously the distilleries the powerhouse distilleries that make phenomenal bourbons and ryes that have been around for a really long time they're focused on bourbons and ryes. Right. So, um, single malt is kind of a wide open playing field right now, and meanwhile, uh, Scotch is dealing with a bunch of tariff issues, so it's kind of the perfect time for this uh, single malt, American single malt whiskey category to present itself. And we wanted to be well positioned to compete within it. So anyway, what we did with it um, is a fairly unique concept. Um, we utilize a lot of our X casks 
to uh, finish single malt in differently. And then right. we'll take those uh, a whole plethora of different barrels and we'll actually marry them together in our Solera bed. So we'll, we'll seriously take like 10 to 15 different barrels. You know, a couple of them will be uh, finished in port casks. Some will be finished in brandy. Uh, we'll do different oaks like Hungarian oak, French oak, American oak. Uh, we'll do a little bit of peated malt. And so we've got all these different barrels and then we strategically marry them together in our Solera vat um, and create the best single malt we possibly can. So that's, that's what you got going on here. Um, a lot of fruit forward notes, a hint of peat. Um, I, I always kind of tell people. Yeah, there's it, definitely not, a hint. Yeah, it, I, I try to tell people, you know, it's, it's not a peated whiskey in the sense that, uh, you know, whoa, that's, that's peat. It's more of uh, in the background. It's not the main show. It's just it's, kind of it's a, like a, a, a It's like, a, it, it, it's got the, the, Everything of a scotch. Yeah. It's but the, the peat doesn't overwhelm you, and I feel like you get a yeah. hell of a lot of cherry. I get a lot of plum, a lot of cherry. Yeah. Like those yep. stone fruit kind of deals, you know? Yeah. yeah. I know I get a lot of, like, fig and raisin in it. Um, so, yeah, and, and your assessment yeah. is spot on. It's actually exactly what oh, we're going for. Um, we are we're going for um, a, a very scotch-like single malt. Um, so, yeah. It, you did a good job it was it was really funny because when we first tried it, we were like, "Wait a minute, that's not you know." It's just the the normal to see of how we operate. We don't pay attention sometimes. We open it, we we're like, yeah. "That's not a bourbon." We we're like, "Well, that helps if you would read, you, you dummies." Yeah. Like, that would be we're, we're, label. We read the label like, "Oh, okay." Oh, oh. oh, now that it's a like, then our minds you know flipped, and then we're like, "This is this is pretty good." Like, this is a Scott. Like it's just when you're when you're not paying attention, right? Like something doesn't yep. hit you. It's but like when you pick up a water and you think it's Sprite, you taste, oh, what is that? It's <laughs> a weird yeah, taste. Of sprite. Although as soon as I mean, you said raisin, that's, that's like the main note I'm getting. Like after, yeah. like when you said raisin, I was like, that's right there. That's what I was. So I get raisin that's on the nose. Coming from, yep, that's coming from sherry cask influence. So um, I mentioned how we use a lot of different barrels. We'll also bring in about about six barrels a year. We'll bring in from Spain um, authentic sh- awesome. ex-sherry casks, and then we'll fill them up with single malt. And so we've got a lot of sherry influence in that Solera vat as well, and that's bringing out the the raisins, the figs, um, stuff like that. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on in it. And getting back to what you had just mentioned about you know oh wow that that's not a bourbon, um, and then you you kind of take a look at the label. That's something that uh, not only we but basically all American single malt producers are up against right now is that. Um, the American consumer, the American whiskey consumer is really struggling to figure out what American single malt whiskey is. You know, okay. people know yeah. what scotch is, but they don't necessarily associate with American single malt whiskey. And it's obviously very different than bourbon and rye. So it's kind of just a big question mark right now. So one, one strategy that we had was to, well, let's, let's make it kind of, uh, uh, you know, let's give it some notes that you might find in a common scotch. And then the label, let's dress it up more like a scotch. So it's more obvious to the consumer what's going to be inside of the bottle. So, you know, the, 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 yeah, the typical American label has big bull letters. Like for instance, I mean, this is our new Cedar Ridge packaging. This is our rye, but um, you know, it's got big bull letters that you can read from all the way across the room. Um, Scotch has much, usually has smaller letters. Um, It's a little bit more elegant design and a little bit more content on that bottle. So we, we tried to dress it up more like a Scotch. I do like the design with the, I guess that's, is that your family crest on it? Um, well, it, it is now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> but yeah, so I do like, it's got the family crest, the big the red seal on it. 
Yeah, it does look like more like a scotch we're, would look. We're definitely honest in the fact that sometimes we just we get stuff, we try it, and we're like, wait a minute, we got to read about this. Like, but I'll, I'll be honest, one of the reasons why we do that and stuff we never had because we want it, we want to have the initial no bias kind of a of a influence when we try stuff. Like, we looked nothing up on this before we tried it. Oh, yeah. to try them blind. Yeah. yeah. So so because you know when we we actually were talking to Marianne Eves uh, a, about two weeks ago, and she made a really good point. Uh, about just the color of the whiskey can make you biased, right? It can make you totally. seem like, and so I'm not going to lie. Cause you're a big double Oak person. I'm a big double, double Oak. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. yeah. Lie, when I looked at that, it was a little bit lighter and I was like, that's going to taste harsh. And then yep. I tried it yeah. and guess what? It's really, it's, it's smooth. really smooth. It's really smooth good. It has a nice flavor to it. it you know, it mellow toast. yeah, it doesn't taste young, nothing like that. And so that's kind of why we try and go into some of this stuff really blind absolutely no I'm, I'm completely with you on that um i think that's a really good strategy for uh, a first time taste to, to you know let, let all your knowledge come from your, your initial taste and, and then research more after that um and i i would probably jump to the same conclusion uh looking at the color of a whiskey too especially on a bourbon or a rye and assume that it's, it's probably going to be harsh um not so much in the world of single malt you know single malt true can come in all different colors you, you can get a some lot some some very light looking single malt that's just full of flavor and super smoky. Uh, but with bourbon and rye, I'm, I'm right there with you. This is the more I drink this, the more I really like it. I'm not going to lie. It's more like a um, hey, it thank is. you. And, and that, that's my absolute passion project. Um, I've never worked harder on a whiskey and, and been more proud of one. Um, and obviously I, I got to mention that there's, it's not by any means just, just me doing that. I've got a, a team of very, very talented uh, production workers that, that all help produce that. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we work really hard on it and, uh, side note, whiskey advocate just gave it a, a 91, uh, which is actually pretty damn good. Oh, and, nice, uh, nice, I think uh, it's, congrats. I think it's tied for the best of all time American single malt whiskey. It's, it's good. I mean, it's not. And so, just so you know, and like both, you know, we actually drink a lot of scotch in the winter. Um, yeah. it, that's just kind of how we are. We figured out it's cold out. The fire starts, cigars, go, we, and scotch comes cigars out. Cigars and scotch. We, we figured out. You don't drink scotch when it's warm. Um, that's bad. Um, yep. And this, this, if you gave this to me blind with like Lafleur ten, not as peaty, not as peaty, but I wouldn't know that it wasn't like from Scotland. So, so, so I'm, and I say that as a complimented aspect. Yeah. Like if you guys can, you know, you guys see this on the shelf, and you guys also like scotch, I would give this a try because you, you're not going to tell, and, and some of people don't like how peaty and smoky scotch is for all you guys listening this is you get all that with this but it's not as like smack you in the face and you get a lot of undercurrent flavors in it It, it's a good middle ground yeah exactly for people that don't want to go all the way to scotch because i know a lot of bourbon drinkers it won't touch scotch they think it tastes like paint so so we're gonna sit by a fire after this this bottle might be in trouble i'm just letting you know i'm awesome i'm glad to hear there's more where that came from that's for sure this would be a good introduction to scotch yeah no honestly god this is a great this is a great introduction to someone who wants to get into scotch uh, or single malt whiskeys and because it's kind of like you when you get into bourbon right you don't want to go straight to 130 proof because you're going to die (laughs) <laughs> shut up nobody likes you <laughs> our listeners have heard this story 700 times the, shut the up stag junior story yeah um and, <laughs> and so and so this is a great if you're not if you haven't gotten into this now you might get stuck on it because it's really freaking good and you might not go anywhere else and that's fine and he's going to be happy with that too 
Um, <laughs> Fruit notes on this are great. Yeah, like I that's what I can't get enough of. Like, oh, I'm loving this. Like, they're trying to get me into scotch, and like this is that nice, like what they said, middle ground, where I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I can, I can do this, and if this leads into me liking some, plus scotch, it says then... America on it, so I'm, I like it <laughs> yeah. more. You know, American. American. A lot of bourbon drinkers are gonna have to get over the fact that it's not dark. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're. Yeah. Single malts you're using already use cast, so it doesn't absorb yep. the same. So it's not gonna have I'm, the same gee, darkness. So anybody that, listening, exactly. just remember, you're not gonna look at this and be like, "Oh, that's young because it's it's really light." It's scotch and single malts are different. In that it's fact. a different game. Um, no, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, b- bourbon and rye by law have to be in new American uh, charred oak. Right. So yep. It's, bourbon and rye are gonna get uh, that that oak and char influence fresh char every single time. And that's obviously, that's going to have an immediate impact on the color of the whiskey. Um, single malt, you can kind of get a little bit more creative with how you want to do barrel aging. You can absolutely um, use new barrels. Like for instance, I used to work at a distillery out in Colorado called Stranahan's, a, a phenomenal okay. place. Um, and they age their single malt on new oak. And it's, it's very, very good. Um, we use, um, use casks the whole time. So we start out aging for the first two and a half years in X bourbon casks our own ex-bourbon cask. And then after that, we'll transfer it over to a unique finishing cask. And I kind of got into that a little bit earlier. We use a number of different types and we'll age it for about another two and a half to three years. And then after that's when we lay those barrels out on the ground, taste through them and determine what should go in our our big Marion vat. So So this has um, been about a a five-year journey for you. Yeah, five five to six. Um, You know, Pete, uh, Pete and single malt is going to take the longest. Um, Pete needs time to mellow out. Whereas um, sometimes like in, in, for instance, French oak or Hungarian oak, you might be able to get away with four, four and a half years of everything kind of mellows out differently. But anyway, yeah, roughly five to six years. And the color is always going to be just a tad lighter uh, because it is used barrels and uh, same same scenario over in Scotland. Uh, However, um, I I do really like that there's a little bit of red. There's like a little red hue to it from time to time. And that's because... um, we use a lot of X wine influence, uh, X sherry casks, and those obviously are gonna gonna add a little bit of red to it. So not not to the point where it looks like a port finished bourbon or anything like that, um, but it you know it's not like it's completely light. Well, well done on this. Cheers. Good yeah, job. Thank yeah. you. Good, great. Hey, thank you. Thank Cheers you. I appreciate that. that. I, I kind of like the unique the unique take you all have where you can use the wet barrels, which like you were talking about, most don't get to do. So I mean, I've had plenty of finished bourbons and whiskeys and everything but you know i'd be interested to see how much the wet barrel versus some of these dry barrels that you know you're tasting how much that influences the flavor this feels like it's cool um, absolutely and it, it certainly does i mean it's just it's going to be a little bit more pronounced um and uh obviously you know you mentioned color you know if, if a if a barrel held like a think a thick ruby red port wine um and, and there, it's still a little bit wet on the inside that color is absolutely going to be, it's going to yeah. impact the, the whiskey that you add to it. So it's going to do a lot for color, a lot for flavor. And yeah, those, those wet barrels, they are kind of a, a, a trademark uh, piece of our distillery. I mean, it's one of our biggest advantages. So we make sure to utilize it as much as we can. Yeah, I mean, you have a u- unique uh, kind of hold on that compared to most distilleries because they're usually just specifically a distillery. Right, yeah. Um, I think you're sure. the first and, you know, winery distillery we've talked to. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't know why there's not more of them because it, there there are so many advantages to it. Um, and you can go the other end too, where you uh you age wine in ex bourbon barrels, which we actually do a yeah. decent amount of, and it makes a phenomenal product. So 
I'm I'm I'd surprised like that there aren't more of them. With that being said, I think there there are at least six or seven of them throughout the country. I think mainly uh, like California, Wisconsin. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's certainly not many of them. So what you're saying is, is we need to make a trip to Iowa because you have a lot of stuff we need to try. Oh man, please do. Um, I I would I'd be happy to set you guys up with a VIP tour. We'll we'll crack open some barrels and we'll have a good time. I feel like we need to do a road trip. Like yeah. we just need to just, with yeah, friends, road road trip. friends, hit the road and just go. Um, a- absolutely. And, 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 you know, you guys mentioned at the beginning of this, um, you know, kind of getting off of, of Cedar Ridge for a second. I mean, there are so many good distilleries in the United States these yeah. days. Um, I, I, obviously Kentucky has a damn good thing going uh, leaps and bounds, you know, older and, and, and more um, established than anywhere else. But uh, California, I mean, I, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, New Mexico. I mean, all, all over the place. There, Oregon, there are such yeah. good distilleries popping yeah. up. Uh, Colorado is one of the best whiskey scenes I've, I've ever been a part of. Uh, so yeah, hit hit the road, man, and check them all Col- out. Yeah, Colorado yeah. has some stuff that I like. We, yeah. we just yeah. did uh, Old Elk from Colorado. Oh. Yeah, Heck yeah. I, so. I had a couple old buddies um, who I worked with at Stranahan's that went over to Old Elk, and uh, they had nothing but good things to say. Yeah, it's it's it's. I, one of the things that we're enjoying is is try is sharing how vast the community is you know like it's everyone no there's no animosity like it's really interesting like everyone we've talked to doesn't mind to say another brand or something else that either they worked with or they've had and that's what they started with their with whiskey because at the end of the day like we're it's it's almost like a big family of people who enjoy this and just because yeah. you like one doesn't mean you can't like the other like it's not an exclusivity on that you know, that's what we all really com- like. all competitors, but not still the only one, one bottle together. Uh, um, oh, totally. I mean, and, and that's that's the coolest thing about this industry um, and the people in, involved in it is that um, really deep down, we're all just a bunch of geeks about this stuff. I mean, and we, you know, we all we all share you know trade secrets and we all give each other tips and, and help. Um, you know, I've, I've in a couple text groups with with buddies that I worked with ten years ago. You know, they'll. They'll just out of the blue, hey, what kind of heat exchanger are you guys using? I need tips on that. And we'll all, you know, weigh in and give advice. Um, it, it's such an awesome community. And, uh, you know, there, there's really not anything else like it. I, I can't imagine really working in any other industry at this point. So, so, oh, you got a question? Nope. Okay, you sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't, I never know. Sometimes he just, sometimes he talks and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a very well. It, 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 he's enjoying his. Yeah, at least See, you're not Marianne because I, I, really, I really, I really like scotch, and I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, movie. oh no, I am too. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm ready so, to put this by the fire and have a cigar with it. And this yeah, is what I like about our kind of platform because, like, I'll be honest, like I had never heard of y'all until we, you know, we talked about it, and I got y'all on here, and I'm very pleasantly surprised by everything. And as much as I'm, I'm from all parts of Kentucky, I'm as Kentucky as you come. I mean, I like to br- <laughs> hillbilly flatlander. I mean, I'm from Iowa. You you're talking to someone from Iowa and you're saying flatland. Yeah, come on. You gotta well, get that right. Hey, hey. Oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I was not flat, guys. I was not flat. <laughs> He's like, shut up. This is not Nebraska. They aren't Kansas. Yeah. But, but you all know, just ever no. wander and find a baseball field in the middle of the cornfield. I've got field of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we no. keep him quiet. Yes, I but know. no, but no, I mean, but do, everyone thinks Kentucky bourbon. Everyone thinks whiskey and all that from yeah. certain places. And Iowa, even though y'all are the corn capital of the world, yeah. um, most people don't think of it as making whiskey or good, you know, good single malts. And 
People need to branch out. You guys definitely have the weather for the single for the single malt whiskey. I'm, oh man, we, we absolutely do. I mean, we that's something that we work really hard to take advantage of. Um, so we we age all of our whiskeys in non climate controlled environments. So nice. Um, when I, when I say that, I mean sometimes literally outside, just under chain link fences, or um, otherwise they'll be in our, our barrel sheds. We've got eight different barrel sheds throughout throughout our. Uh, we've got a hundred acre property with these barrel sheds scattered about, and um, the temperature inside those is the exact same as outside. So they're just pole buildings, no insulation. And we take advantage of the fact that think, uh, think like July, for instance, uh, at the peak of the day, it might hit 100 degrees, but then at night it might hit 50. And so right. you get a 50 degree temperature swing there and we get to take advantage of that. So of as, um, as that barrel becomes hotter, you know, uh, everything starts to expand and that wood becomes more porous. The liquid seeps into it. And then as it gets colder, it contracts and squeezes the whiskey back out of it. So we get a lot of rapid movement inside that barrel just due to the region that we're, we're aging in. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so give us a sneak peek. Like what's, what's, what, what's next, right? What can we expect to see from you guys in the, in the coming, you know, year? Um, yeah. So great question. I um, mean, we have honestly for, for three years now, we have been heads down on becoming uh, the number one selling bourbon in the state of Iowa um, because, you know, we have, we have awesome people here that are supporting um, and we feel that if we can claim that spot, um, we'd have a little bit of a spillover effect into neighboring states, and that, that has indeed happened. Um, so we, we believe that we finally knocked that one off, and now what we're going for, um, we want to kind of branch out and um, obviously continue focusing on quality. So we believe that next year we're going to do two things related to the products that you have in front of you. Um, one, we're going to do a cask strength offering of our Cedar Ridge Iowa bourbon. So we'll have our standard 86 proof, but then also closer to a 115 proof. Um, and then yes. on the single malt front, we'll have our quintessential single malt that you guys just tried. Um, and then we're going to have a distiller's edition version of it. So um, that's something that my team and I will work together. Um, we won't even tell uh, the other people within our company what we're going to produce. We'll produce um, one batch of it a year. And it's just going to be something that we think is fun and awesome. So we'll have our quintessential and our distiller's edition of single malt. Nice. All right. Yes. Sounds like we're gonna have to have you back on in a couple months. <laughs> I, I hope so. Hey, I, I I love doing stuff like this, and I'd, I'd be honored to be back. Yeah, no, and from everything you're saying, it sounds like we definitely need to make a road trip. We have to. We're gonna have to start mapping this out. I know we yeah, have like, to like get a map. <laughs> Iowa down to Colorado. <laughs> like, how do you go from like Maryland to Iowa to Colorado on a road That's trip? Right. I can tap into um, my. Uh, basically, I eighty man. I eighty all the I-80. way. I <laughs> eighty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and. Uh, getting back to the flat state thing when you take the interstate through iowa it does appear flat get off the interstate for a second check it out very very hilly beautiful state <laughs> people always talk about how we're a flyover flat state and it, it couldn't be more uh inaccurate we're a, we're a very beautiful um rolling hill state and we have we have a lot of cool stuff to check out so definitely get here yeah we de- i mean i'm i'm ready the, 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 the only thing you have to do to get jc to want to go somewhere is just say tap in barrel and jc's like i mean what, are we going now or i get to like he's like in yeah. eight hours to drive there we'll be there in eight hours like Take tomorrow yeah. off let's head now you, you just had to be like jc cast string see ya <laughs> I'm, I'm there are, are you no, guys we'll gonna... have to... go ahead sorry go ahead i was gonna say we'll have to do we'll have to do both you guys will have to come out here and um I'm a big fan of Kentucky distillers as well. So maybe I'll make a trip up that way and we'll uh, oh, please do. do a little well, bit there's, of this, a little bit of that. There's something we're working on when we get offline. We were gonna, I'll talk to you about it. You might, you might be interested in it. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm already um, interested. Um, so yeah. Are you guys, do you guys working on any rise or anything like that? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. So we do produce a rye. Um, it's on a little bit smaller of a scale. Um, we, I mean, we produce and distribute our rye whiskey in Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, and, and Illinois. So I mean, kind of focusing on the Midwest, right. same as our bourbon. Um, but we don't we don't market it quite as much, and it's because you know the product that makes sense for us to push is our Iowa bourbon. It's made from corn, so right. it's it's a little bit more in the background. And to be completely honest, um, we do something really fun with a lot of our rye. We we do produce plenty of rye. We just don't um, sell a lot of it in our normal rye label. And that is the one that I held up earlier, by the way. This is our, I've got kind of a light thing going, but uh, this is our straight rye whiskey. Straight yeah. rye whiskey. Um, I love so rye. What, so what we do with most of our rye is we um, recently started a partnership with the band Slipknot. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the band yeah. Slipknot. Heavy oh, metal. Well, you just, yes. Kate just ears perked it, up. I used to one. be in a heavy metal band, so that's awesome. <laughs> is oh, that the yeah. number okay. nine you do the... Um, that it is indeed the number nine. So number nine, um, small batch and number nine reserve are two whiskeys that we launched in a partnership with the band Slipknot. And so what that is, is a, it is a blend 60, 40, uh, 60% Cedar Ridge, Iowa bourbon, 40% Cedar Ridge rye. And we blend those together to make that number nine whiskey. Um, so the reason why we, we do that is because like I said a million times, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but uh, we normally shoot for a very approachable and inviting style of whiskey. Um, well, Working with the band Slipknot, it'd be goofy if we went uh, with this really aggressive, bold, heavy metal band <laughs> and produced, you know, a whiskey that uh, is, is really yeah. gentle. I mean, it's, you know, we had to liven it up a bit. Um, so that, that was a serious challenge. That was a serious challenge for us. And uh, that's how we landed on making a burr rye, a blend of bourbon and rye. Nice. Uh, so that way the rye kind of wakes it up, gives it some spice and a little bit uh, more boldness. And uh, yeah, I, we feel that we hit the mark. Can we get a concert too if we come to Iowa? <laughs> I'm sure what I, I mean, I you know, hopefully, hopefully by the time you guys get here, the world's back to normal and uh, people are having concerts again. Because, uh, yeah, the, the whole tour came to a halt this year, which was devastating because, I mean, we obviously for a number of reasons, reasons that was devastating. Right. But our business model was to basically follow their tour and do big promotional events and have bottle signings and all that. And when the tour got canceled, um, we had to really go back to the drawing board on how we were going to promote and distribute that brand. Yeah, and there's no like foreseeable future when they can open that back up anytime soon. Yeah, either. no one has any idea. Yeah, the, the event industry got hit hard. Yeah, and, COVID. and we're recording this two days after the election that we have no clue what's going on. So, welcome to 2020. <laughs> yeah, why would we? 2020 has been kind of fun. We've launched a podcast, well, no, we're yeah, drinking more whiskey that's, than normal. That's the positive, like, like, of 2020. You make the most out oh, of what your cards are dealt. I completely um, feel that, uh, you know, it's one of those things that we're in 2025, we'll look back on 2020 and say, man, obviously there were some really sad things that happened. Um, you know, there's, there's some bad losses in there, but you know, it, it kind of gave everyone a chance to uh, do some passion projects and figure out what was important to them. You, you mentioned you launched a podcast. I mean, you know, I've, I've got to spend a, a, you know, I normally, I have to travel for work a ton to promote brands and do distribution and stuff. And I've got right. to spend a lot more time with my, my daughters and my wife. I mean, there, there are a lot of positives that have come out of it. Um, I think it's just one of those things when you're in the middle of it, it's not quite as awesome. Um, down the road, I think we'll look back and be able to be able to find some good things that came out of this, it for sure. This is going to be one of those things that like my dad was like, I remember when they would black out the curtains for bomb raids in World yeah. War II. And I'm just going to be like, well, I remember when we were on lockdown and COVID. <laughs> I remember when I could leave my house for a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your passion with us. Um, 
we're going to drink a lot of your passion, uh, probably tonight, tonight uh, <laughs> by a fire. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, uh, we definitely would love to have you back on again. Yeah. Hey, th thanks again for having me guys. And I, I truly would be honored to uh, come back anytime you need a, a guest and uh, a visitor. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it tonight around the fire. Let me know what you think of it. Will do. Thank you. And oh, definitely. thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening. Just remember a bourbon with friends can change the world. Have a great night. As always, the bourbons highlighted on this podcast will feature in the show notes. Tune in next time for another episode of Bourbon with Friends.